Every industry is under pressure to innovate, to compete, or even survive. But a lot of companies just aren't prepared for the disruption, for the challenges and the legal risks associated with technology. In this series, we want to find out how companies can build a resilient tech strategy. And we're going to be looking into some data you may find surprising. In today's episode, data bias. Data, the fuel of modern AI software. In recent years, data-driven technologies have transformed the world around us. We have computers that have learned to translate, facial recognition systems that unlock our phones, and algorithms that can identify certain cancers. But we've also seen what happens when the data sets used to train the algorithms are not representative of all of us. Data bias. Since it's created by humans, technology can reflect the biases, conscious or subconscious, of its creators, and sometimes those biases can only become apparent after the technology is deployed. And that has real-world consequences for many of us. One study in the US found that facial recognition software developed by multiple companies, the kind used to unlock smartphones or check passports, made way more mistakes with African-American or Asian faces than Caucasian ones. One case in 2020 demonstrated what an algorithm's racial bias might mean when a faulty facial recognition match led to a black man in Michigan being arrested for a crime he didn't commit. There's evidence of bias in relation to companies' hiring processes, too. AI is used to screen and evaluate job applicants, but has been found to discriminate against women and minorities. And just recently, big brands like CVS, Deloitte, and Meta have come together to work to detect and combat algorithmic bias. They're not going to wait till the law compels them to do it, although that might be on the way. Right now, data bias might not be a legal problem, but it's certainly an ethical one. Well, Hogan Levels has some fascinating insights on business and technology for all of us to learn from in their litigation landscape report. Let me introduce you to Alison Holt Ryan and Christine Gateau, both partners from Hogan Levels, here to discuss the way we use data and what it means in practice for companies to combat data bias. Welcome to the program. Hello. Good morning. I've spoken about a few examples of data bias in my introduction, but from your experience, can data bias be found in most things? Because we've seen it in everything from college applications to credit card applications and mortgage loans. So is it everywhere? So Upson, I would I would hate to say that data bias is everywhere, but I think we can all fairly agree that big data is everywhere in almost every facet of our lives. And everywhere you are using large data sets, it's going to increase the likelihood that there could be data bias in how that data, either in that data cell itself or in how that data is being used. So I don't think I'm going to go so far as to say that data bias is everywhere, but I think the potential for data bias is everywhere. And Christine, any sort of real-life example that you've seen? Well, back in 2020, during the pandemic, a lot of school exams could not take place in person, of course. One example that comes to mind is in the United Kingdom. The government decided that instead of students sitting their A-level exam, the school would come up with a score for each kid based on an algorithm. What happened was that almost 40% of students received lower grades than they had anticipated and that there was outrage and complaints from parents and students, of course. 
And the reason for that discrepancy between the grades given by the algorithm and the grade that would have been expected is that there was some bias in the algorithm. And that algorithm took into consideration three types of data. First, a teacher assessment, second, a class ranking, and third, the best performing kids at the school. But apparently, even with those three sets of data taken, there was still a huge bias in the grades given by the algorithm. As you can imagine, the UK department which regulated the exam had to explain itself and in the end had to retract the grades given by the algorithm. Exactly how does data bias creep into the equation? Yeah, so we see two ways primarily, and obviously there may be more things to think about here, but really the first problem is with the underlying data itself. I mean, in, in here in the U.S., we have a, a saying, garbage in, garbage out. You put bad things in, you're likely to get bad things out. So if that initial data set that you're putting in is um, has holes in it, is not representative of a full population, or has bias in it already, that's going to be one place where bias is going to creep into the equation. And then the second place is in the algorithm that the company is using itself. Once you pull the data in, how you manipulate that data, how you choose to read that data, how the AI chooses to evaluate and interpret that data is the second place that we really can see bias creep in. And this is important because companies need to be vigilant not just on what data set they're using, but also on how they're interpreting that data and how they're using that data. And so it really creates two avenues for bias to enter the equation. I find it fascinating that in the litigation landscape report, 45% of businesses say they do not vet technology supply to them for bias. Why is that? Well, what we found in our survey is that uh, bias in data and programming is the second most important ethical issue. So um, it is taken into consideration. Um, but when you invest as a company in technology uh, that raise ethical challenges, um, or when you establish or when you publish principles that um, uh, govern uh, how... Um, they will be used is another story. So you you need obviously to um, make sure that customers, employees, uh, and other stakeholders trusts um, would be taken into consideration when deploying innovative technology. I think the other thing we could surmise as to why um, businesses are not vetting that technology is because our economy is moving so quickly and the advances made by certain companies are forcing the entire market to run at a breakneck pace. And so having that uh, ability to pause, to vet and do the necessary testing on either the data or the algorithm may be something that companies from a business perspective don't feel like they have time to um, afford to that enterprise. And so you might have a bit of abrasion between business folks who are trying to push this quick forward as quickly as possible, and either your legal or ethics teams who are trying to do it in a way that confirms 
the validity of the data and the way it's being used. And that's an age old problem of there being abrasion between the business folks who want to get the job done and frequently what it feels like legal or ethics who is trying to slow them down. So helping our clients navigate that in a way that is responsible, but respectful of the business, I think is one key thing that we're trying to focus on right now. Yeah, it seems kind of like this has been traditionally a reactive problem because like you said, it's you know not top of mind until it needs to be top of mind. But I'm, I'm kind of curious because it's certainly an ethical problem. There's no doubt about that to have data bias embedded in technology. But when does it actually become a legal issue? At the EU level, we there is indeed a, a draft a regulation um, which was uh, presented uh, by the European Commission uh, back in April 2021. And uh, the aim of that regulation will be to establish harmonized rules on artificial intelligence. Earlier this year, uh, when the French uh, presidency of the European Union uh, started, a new text has been uh, submitted and the plan is um, for that text to be presented before the European Parliament during the before the um, June of this year, so June 2022. Concretely, this uh, draft uh, regulation um, establishing harmonized rules on artificial intelligence will classify uses of AI according to the risk involved. And some of AI systems are particularly singled out, for example, human resources application, credit allocation, medicine, justice, and other AI systems will be considered to be too risky and simply banned. So uh, for the AI system, which uh, would be banned, we have social scoring, biometric recognition, in public space, for example. So looking back at the high-risk AI system, those systems will have to comply with a set of obligations to ensure good ethics of the AI, which means non-discrimination, respect of privacy, notably, robustness of the technology, and quality of the training data. So you can see that in this um, draft regulation, there is um, an obligation. There is likely to be, if the text is going to be voted in the in the same format that it is uh, right now, there is going to be a legal obligation to take into account those ethical data issue into consideration when you are. Um, one, two, three, when you are devising, putting on the market an AI system. So the other example is the example of France. And here it's uh, a law which dates back 2021. The name of the law is Bioethics Law. And um, this is a law regulating exclusively the field of medicine and medical research. And the use of algorithm in this specific sector is addressed by this law. The legal provision for the moment 
is only concerning transparency and explicability of algorithm. So we are not as far yet as to a legal obligation to take into consideration data in um, AI system, but at least you have the foundation to uh, have explanation around the algorithm. And you can think that afterwards you uh, might have more stringent obligation deriving from this law. Christine just gave a great overview of what we're seeing in Europe. And Upton, I think what you said a minute ago about how we are very reactive to this is what we're seeing in the U.S. right now. It's not something necessarily that regulators are out leading on front, but instead are responding to what they see happening in the marketplace. And two quick examples on that. First, um, the FTC has become the Federal Trade Commission here in the U.S., has become more active in analyzing these issues regarding data bias. They put, in, put out guidance in 2020 and then again in early 2021. And then late last year actually said, we're gonna, we're going to put out some rules on this. We haven't seen those rules yet, but we're gonna put out some rules to ensure that there's not unfair discrimination in the use of data. Um, we can talk in a minute about what guide what companies, clients can take from that guidance. Um, but the FTC is becoming more and more active in this space. And then also earlier this year, New York State passed a novel kind of first of its kind in the country law um, to try to remedy some of these impacts in the employment context. And it's a, a fairly straightforward law, but we don't know how it's going to play out just yet. Um, the law requires that employers and employment agencies that use these AI tools um, conduct independent audits of the tools for bias and to provide disclosures to candidates um, if those AI tools are being used to make employment decisions. Now, the law doesn't go into effect until January 1, 2023. So stay tuned for what it's actually going to mean in the, in the landscape of hiring law in New York. But those are just a couple of examples of what's happening in the U.S. And, you know, we expect for this area, given the impact on people's lives, to become more and more active. So when it comes to a company actually purchasing or developing its own software, what are some best practices for them to mitigate risk to avoid data bias? Maybe the most important takeaway is that it's important that companies discuss those issues as a group. Ethic is not going to be assigned to one specific function within the company. It must be a discussion um, with the entire business. It's important because then you have the views of the various stakeholders on that issue, which is a very important issue. And so you have the views maybe of your customers, maybe obviously of your employees and other stakeholders. And for them, taking part into that conversation will also ensure that you increase the trust that they will have in the way that the technology that you're developing or that you're buying is indeed developed within a clear framework and that all aspects of data bias have been taken into consideration. Also, when you invest or when you develop a technology raising ethical challenges, 
you might need to think, establish, and publish also principles that govern how those data will be used. All this process of thinking, establishing, and publishing will ensure coherence of your principle and also accountability. A second aspect might be that you, if you are in the position of purchasing a software with uh, a lot of data, is to actually ask the, uh, the provider what they have done to eliminate those bias and to uh, make sure that you are studying these uh, materials. Again, if you are in this position of purchasing a, a technology, you might want to insert uh, warranties, assurances in uh, the contract to make sure that the software does not contain biases and obviously to conduct your own due diligence to uh, check whether this is uh, accurate warranties and assurances. Yeah, I agree with everything that Christine just said. And as you know, that sounds, um, that's the second part of the equation that we talked about at the front of the call. Like what about the technology? What about the software that you're using? I think we would both just want to remind people to don't forget the first part of the equation as well. What, where is your data set coming from? What are, how representative is that data set? And is the software you're either developing or buying accounting for potential biases in the underlying data itself? So it's another thing I would suggest is just make sure you're thinking about both sides of the equation, the data and then the software or um, AI that is interpreting that data. Wonderful. Well, thank you both for joining us today. For more information on the issues we've talked about, including the litigation landscape report, head to hoganlevels.com. You can also get in touch with Allison, Christine, or your Hogan Levels contact. Allison, Christine, thanks so much for joining. 